Welcome to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. This week, we are wrapping up our month of joy here on the podcast. Each week for the month of February, I've had the opportunity to interview some of my favorite joyful people to bring their light and wisdom to a commonly dreary month. And guess what? We did it! Yay! March is just around the river bend, and spring will be sneaking its way in in a matter of weeks. Hopefully. <laughs> but until then, take a listen to my previous episodes this month to keep you going. I got to chat with blogger and chef Molly Yeh, nutritionist Becca Shern with Minimal Wellness, and artist and writer Caroline Kelso-Zook of Made Vibrant. And for those of you that have been tuning in each week for these conversations, thank you so much for all of the positive feedback. I love hearing from you all, so please don't be a stranger somewhere off in the airwaves. A great way to share your kind words and help grow the podcast at the same time is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The more subscribes and reviews that the podcast has, the more Apple will share it and recommend it to others. And I really love reading what you have to say. So if you are getting a lot of value from these episodes and have just a few minutes, please head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review. And thank you so, so much. All right. Today, I am very excited to bring you my conversation with community builders and influencers, Simone Way and Joe Burgum from Folkways. They also happen to be my neighbors and part of my bestie crew here in Fargo Rock City. Joe and I grew up together here as family friends, but he was such a young buck back then that we never really knew each other very well. We both ventured off on our life adventures, but settled back in Fargo around the same time. And it's been incredible to see what Joe and his partner Simone have done for this town in just a few short years. From farmers markets to Christmas markets to canoe parades to mobile saunas, these two have brought the Fargo-Moorhead community together like never before. And in our conversation, we talk about how to fall in love with your own hometown. We talk about the importance of connection and community and how to make a difference and bring joy to your city. I also take you on an adventure with me into the mobile sauna to get their take on winter wellness and cozying up your life. And we did record in a more open setting and in a sauna shaped like a log, so the sound quality isn't as crisp, but I think it helps you feel like you're right there in the sauna with us, steam and all. So here we go. So you use the phrase making Fargo the best place to live a lot. Tell me more about what you, A, what defines something being the best place to live and why you're so determined to make Fargo that place. <laughs> Growing up in high school, I traveled a lot and met kids from all over the country. And I always thought it was interesting meeting kids from places like Hawaii or upstate New York. And you talk to them and they say, well, there's nothing to do in the place that I live. I said, well, I'm from Fargo. And people say there's nothing to do. You're from Hawaii. And you're saying there's <laughs> nothing to do. Um, and came back and even in high school said, well, I'm not going to wait for someone else to make it interesting. And so we just started putting on parties and hosting ping pong tournaments and just trying to get people engaged. And, and how old were you at this point? Uh, 15. <laughs> 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 we just didn't want to wait. It was just sort of like, why not, why not make our own fun? And that's kind of the mantra we've taken now, which is um, we're not going to wait for someone else to make the place that we want to live. Instead, we want to create the place we want to be a part of. I think a lot of it comes down to perspective that you have and how you spend your time. And we spend it shopping at local farmers markets and hosting house concerts and going to the co-op and meeting entrepreneurs that are opening cafes and all those things influence our perspective and ends up making it a really great place to live. It's, it's the whole love where you live mentality. And if you, if you decide that you do, you'll find the gems and things that you love. So, mm -hmm. so why, choose to come back to Fargo because I know you guys have both uh, Moorhead mm, yes Moorhead. <laughs> very far away but exotic <laughs> get muffled um but so you guys have both moved away and chosen to come back so what has made you want to 
mm-hmm. work so hard to make Fargo where you want to live instead of just moving to a place that has everything. Yeah, I think that there's kind of a perception that it's harder to do things in smaller communities. Not that Fargo is really that small, but um, I think it's just so much more approachable to kind of the ideas that we have and making the thing that you're working on kind of the thing that's happening um, is is a lot more approachable here. Um, and, and we can invite a large majority of the community to engage in something. And I just think that's so fun and welcoming. Having lived in Chicago and LA and Seattle, it's fun to live in a big city in a big metro. And obviously Fargo is a metro of 220,000 people. It's pretty small. There's a lot of communities even smaller than Fargo, but to Simone's point, it's just really accessible. And growing up here, there's a lot of people you know and maybe relationships you take for granted that down the road you end up running into people or people hear about something simply because you knew someone back in the day and they saw that someone they knew was putting on a farmer's market and they decided to come check it out. So I think there is value in that that network and that relational web. And We like driving impact. We like making change and... Um, there is something you said about being in a smaller place and being able to do that. Mm-hmm. So someone that has a lot of hometown angst <laughs> right now, because that's a thing. I know when I was 18, I was like, Fargo's lame. See you later. I'd never be back. Um, what kind of advice do you give to people that want to discredit their hometown? <laughs> well, as my favorite my favorite philosopher always says, never say never, Justin Bieber. Um, so I just I just want to remind people just to not let their past biases hold them back. Um, just because you said you'd never live there once, don't let that um, thought be the thing that makes you not try something new, really in any situation, not just um, loving your hometown or, mm-hmm. or moving somewhere. I think I would cite one of our friends and author, Melody Warnick, in her book, uh, Love Where You Belong. This is Where You Belong. This is Where You Belong. Um, And she's got some really great insight in terms of thinking the grass was always greener on the other side, moving seven times in 10 years with her family and really talking about that, that perspective. You know, how do you come into a town that you've lived in for a long time or you're new to or your hometown and say... I'm going to try shopping local. I'm going to walk more. I'm going to meet my neighbors. I'm going to be involved in things that I think maybe seem trite, whether it's a neighborhood organization or a PTA or, you know, simply just kind of putting yourself out there. And I think there's a lot to be said about the effort you invest in your community Mm -hmm. is often the energy that you feel. Mm -hmm. We interact with people that say, man, I, you know, I just really don't like Fargo. I'm going to move. We don't see them at things. We don't, they're not engaging in the community. And so I think there is that element of if you believe it, that's what happens. And if you believe in you live in a place that has nothing going on, you're probably not doing a lot and watching a lot of Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and we think there is a lot going on in Fargo. And it's crazy sometimes how many events can be going on at the same night with different friend groups or different things we want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about hanging out with you guys is that – no one is safe walking down the street without you saying hello to them. <laughs> like, you'll sit on your front porch and you're just like across the way. Hi. I'm a very aggressive waver. <laughs> yeah, even if we like only tangentially maybe have seen someone three times, I'll just start waving at them. Yeah. <laughs> even if I don't know their name, which actually can sometimes be a barrier because then I have waved at them too many times to mm-hmm. – to not awkwardly ask what their name is. Right. <laughs> but yeah. it makes our neighborhood more fun, I think. Well, and I think people wave back because I know many people, this is very Midwestern, but like if you don't know someone, but they act like they know you, yeah. they'll pretend that they <laughs> they'll know just you. Wave. They'll be like, oh yeah, hi, how are you? You can have like this full on conversation uh-huh. and then they'll be like, I have no idea who that person yep. was. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is good and bad, but it's good because it's like, always good for a chat you know (laughs) chat I think the only like really accurate thing about the movie Fargo besides how it can be in the winter and some of some of the accents Uh there's this one scene where it's these two guys outside shoveling having small talk (laughs) and their small talk is so ridiculous but it's like dead on it's just like rambling about nothing we've been talking about small talk a lot lately yeah yeah just like authentic greetings Mm -hmm. or um, 
I think it's misleading because we often use questions as a, as a greeting, like yeah. how are you, yeah. as, as a supplement for a salutation or a statement that isn't a question, and then we're expected to respond, um, but it isn't really a genuine question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been thinking about playing around with that and not at, not start not saying, hey, Randy, how's it going, mm-hmm. with no intent to start a conversation, like yeah. passing on the sidewalk, right. um, but, you know, great to see you. Mm-hmm. And more, 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 more pointed. But I like that. Yeah, and I, I feel like most people that ask how you are, they have no, they don't really want to know how you are, and you might not even want to say how you actually are. So it does become more of like a, it's like a way of saying hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simple basically. greeting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like that idea. I do think something that makes us enjoy the place that we live or the community we have is this idea of associated living. Mm-hmm. that we have a community that's much broader than people we work with or people that we spend time with socially, particularly because we, we host a lot of events, but going to a farmer's market or going to the craft fair today, you just see people repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that associated living, I think, is something that we often lose when we're not walking, we're mm-hmm. not biking, we don't have habitual communal mm-hmm. events that we go to. And that that piece of social fabric, I think, is really important but I think it's hard to put your finger on because there isn't one person that makes associated living a thing mm-hmm. um, it's just seeing people I mean mm-hmm. we had coffee with a friend yesterday and the only reason I know Nathan is because I've seen him around mm-hmm. uh, there's no like well how did you meet Nathan you know right. there wasn't an introduction of a friend it was merely well I've seen Nathan for a year and a half just at the co-op and around at the farmer's market. I also think that's Nathan being a magical fairy. That shows up <laughs> he does put off those good vibes. But <laughs> no, I've definitely made friends based off of, like, I've been seeing you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Let's say hello. You know? Yeah, when you go to a farmer's market every week or, or, you know, stop at the local co-op once a week, you kind of start forming the tribe around those people who you just run into and, and greet and... And see, so mm-hmm. faith communities have a big part of that yeah. as well, obviously. But I think for those that are choosing to find spirituality in different means, I think those communal rituals are mm-hmm. still really important. And yeah, when we think about the farmers market; it is a ritual for people. It's a mm-hmm. habit, it's a routine every single week that they're participating in, and I think that's a really important, beautiful thing. And so, if you're living in a place that you're not jazzed about i think thinking about you know just trying to become a regular somewhere yeah i did that when i whenever i moved it was like i'm gonna go to the same coffee shop every day for two mm-hmm. weeks and by the end of two weeks the baristas your friends with the baristas at a minimum because you've seen them every day for two weeks but just becoming a regular and building those relationships just through association mm-hmm. can we pause a minute simone and you can share why you are hydrating right now <laughs> um you may hear me gulping my water because we are about to enter log the mobile sauna which is <laughs> approximately 180 degrees right now mm-hmm. um so we are going to get our sweat on where no podcaster has gone before <laughs> yes joe's been adamant that we <laughs> stay hydrated so that is he's our doing. hydration coach yeah today. it's important appreciate it so what has been when you started Folkways and with these initiatives like Alley Fair and then the market and things, what have you seen change about our local community? Because we really didn't have, well, we didn't barely had any market whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There were little things here and there, but there wasn't that community. There wasn't a Christmas market. Mm-hmm. There weren't these social things. So what have you seen as your events have grown? How has that affected the community? Yeah, I think a lot of it was right place, right time for us because we were kind of ahead of the trend of, you know, buying local, eating local, supporting artists. Um, Ahead in Fargo. In Fargo, exactly, um, because we had seen it pretty much everywhere else. And when we started doing our events, it was all local artists, all local musicians. Um, We were trying to really forge those... um, farm to restaurant relationships. And I think that that is something that I've started to see both business owners and customers really appreciate those connections um, and seeing kind of the local start to finish, which wasn't, wasn't really around too much. Yeah. 
No, I think it's definitely evolving in that front. I, I think there's more of a atmospheric change that mm -hmm. we've helped um, shepherd in. I don't think we're the only reason to credit by any means, but <clears throat> I think living in a place that has a brand reputation of desolate winters and silly accents, I think, there's, <laughs> I think it's easy for people to, I don't know, like downplay what we have or not be yeah. proud or um mm -hmm. oh we're a humble people so we don't buy nice things and it's like like no like we have means you should you know buy a nice dinner i mean i think there's a little bit of sort of this um i don't know if it's a scandinavian lutheran sort of like i'm not going to turn the heat on because i'm tough and it's like well no you should do that um and i think our events have really shown people that you can live in a small community and you can have homegrown things that are mm -hmm. world class mm -hmm. um and when we have people that are moved away and have come back or have traveled and they see what's happening here in Fargo, they say, wow, this farmer's market is as great as any farmer's market I've been to in Minneapolis or Denver. Or, oh my gosh, I've only seen Christmas markets like this in Germany when I've lived there. <laughs> Those are the things that get me excited because I think then people realize, wow, you can make, you can create something that is notable, that is best in class in your hometown. Um, and I think before those events, I think people just assumed it's like, well, you know, this event sucked because we live in Fargo versus right. it can be better. So mm -hmm. I think there is, there's an atmospheric level mm -hmm. and an attitude that we're shifting and those take time. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things on the other end that I've seen is that makers and crafters are now coming out of the woodwork mm -hmm. because they have a place to share their stuff. I Absolutely. mean, Unglued has done it with makers for sure. But in that documentary that was made about you guys, you know, that honey or the corn mm -hmm. gal like mm -hmm. they're like oh well I have this in my yard and I'm just gonna now go to a market and sell it and now their business is like blowing up and so you've created like people that have always wanted to do things or they mm -hmm. have these amazing skills but they just stay curled up in their home in the winter mm -hmm. you know now there's a place for them to share it and for people to see their talents absolutely well, we spend a lot of time thinking about ecosystems and, and system thinking around that and for our farmers market i mean to your point on the change before the farmers market there wasn't an outlet really to sell produce or sell homemade goods or soaps on a on a weekly reliable basis and so applying that design thinking mentality that systems approach to something like culture or something like belonging mm -hmm. i think that's yielded a lot of results for us because you know there's a business community that's thinking about what does business need and there's the city which is thinking about you know what do we need for residents to want to live here from a utility standpoint but mm -hmm. who's spending time systematically thinking about well, what makes music great like what makes food great it's like oh we don't have a, a chef school like that affects the quality of our food you know we don't have um a music venue of 1500 people you know that affects what concerts come here and so I think applying that systems approach has really resulted in us being able to pinpoint things and start conversations. Winter well-being, being part of that. I mean, mm -hmm. what makes winter great in other places? And that was really the start of that question was the start of our journey to build a sauna. Mm -hmm. Which also built our friendship. Yeah, it did. did. Oh, memories. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were friends before, but when... You asked for help building the sauna. That's when you guys really got to meet mm -hmm. Nate and see the essence of Nate, my husband. And um, and then we were besties ever since. Yeah, there's nothing like building something with other people and sharing like the result of your hard work and hours of hard work. Um, so it just builds friendships. Yeah, so if anyone out there is wanting to make some friends, <laughs> yeah, just, just like build something. Build a canoe or something and then paddle in it. Speaking of canoes. Oh, wow. Great segue. <laughs> what else did you do this past fall? Um, so this fall, my dreams came true. Um, and I got to plan my first, our first ever canoe parade. Um, so the idea was to activate the Red River, which is a river in our community that has not a great reputation. Um, it floods a lot, so there's kind of the mentality of this is a body of water that we fight. We fight against it. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's always once in a while someone will, you know, drown or get hurt or something like that where it doesn't really create a positive 
mental image among mm-hmm. people. And not that it's dangerous necessarily. It's, it's, it's really not. It's more of a someone was drunk or some you know mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so in order to create positive memories around the river and to kind of have a fun whimsical artistic event and we planned the canoe parade um, and we had a dozen canoes and kayaks where people <laughs> were dressed up or dressed up their canoes it was um, so good. randy had a dog a themed canoe we, nate and i both dressed up as our dog juniper <laughs> and then juniper was also in the canoe she was a star it she was. she did so well um <laughs> and it was just a whimsical fun day and i think that i did not stop smiling the entire afternoon and that was hilarious and laughed the whole time um but yeah we hope to really grow that event um, and commission more artists to do canoes Mm -hmm. um and really make it kind of a a river celebration Mm -hmm. and and to promote recreation because we have this awesome river in the middle of our city that and a lot of people that were canoeing on it was their first time Mm -hmm. ever spending time on the river that they probably crossover pass every single day multiple times a day Mm -hmm. i was just looking for strengths so what what, what strengths do we have in our community what assets do we have and what makes other places great and often beautiful recreation or a body of water is a huge asset and unfortunately for our community it's been something we've kind of turned our back to and Mm -hmm. um, i think another thing that we have a lot of fun with is being radical incrementalists um Mm -hmm massive small steps is <laughs> uh, yes. our approach to things and um, I think it's easy to become restless that change isn't happening happening fast yeah. enough or that um, I wish these things would change but um, most things take a long time um, mm-hmm. most success stories seem overnight and then you actually hear from people whether it's you know mm-hmm. two years or five years or a decade that's how long it took for something to happen and our hope for the canoe parade is that in a decade Mm-hmm. all that are listening are traveling to Fargo to see the coolest, craziest art parade on water in a five-state area. Yeah. Um, and we think that can happen with this kind of approach of just how do we take small steps every year and make it better every time. Yeah, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed by their idea of success, but we always think of the smallest way that something would happen. So we were always joking that we call it three canoes because three canoes would be a parade. <laughs> Or, or for the farmer's market the first year, we thought, okay, if we can get six booths, that will be a market. And that's, you know, the starting point versus thinking of, you know, your 10-year goal, which obviously is great to have, but we know that it's going to take that time to get there. Right. It allows yeah. for iteration of mm-hmm. product market fit. I mean, we started the farmer's market and we had eight vendors the first time. Um, and we hoped for 500 people and we saw 800 people, <clears throat> our very first market. And we closed the end of our third season with 60 vendors and 7,000 people. Mm-hmm. And so clearly there was a product market fit or there was latent demand and people wanted that. And I think for us, it's really people want community. I mean, obviously there's access to produce and the goods that are there, but it's a massive social event. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. running into people and having a good time in a public setting where you can be social with many people or you can be individual in a public space and I think that kind of introverted communal experience is a really important one um, kind of on these spectrums. I think one thing I've thought about a lot at your guys' events is that that idea of people craving community Mm -hmm. and it's been so evident to me how badly our community has been craving it because the second you make space for it, it's packed. Mm-hmm. Like your guys' events are packed. Even the, even starting small, even like the canoe parade, you still had like 12 canoes, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people were along the sidelines cheering. Like mm-hmm. people show up and it's like, you just need an invitation. And you guys are really thoughtful about um, executing things. You think about the little things about like, where are people going to, be happy sitting mm-hmm. like making sure when you sit and eat people are going to want to stay there a while and talk and where the musicians are and you know the flow of the crowd and it's those little things that make it like so you can't say no <laughs> and people that have been holed up in their houses all winter now have a place to connect to other people and to buy goods that connect them to the land and to nature and it's just 
I don't know. That's what I nerd out about at your events <laughs> is that yes, that like it. space for I love it. for human connection because we need it. And especially in small towns where mm-hmm. we think we know everyone and we think we know everything that's going on, but we don't because everyone's kind of hiding because mm-hmm. they think that's their only option. Yeah, I love the way I love seeing the way that people react to public space and like you said, those small details of do we face the chair this direction or this direction? Is it a bench or does it have a back or, you know, those kinds of things that you just have to experiment with and change every single time um, so we can find the perfect place that makes someone really feel comfortable and welcomed Mm -hmm. and encouraged to socialize and encouraged to stay for more than 30 minutes or more than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I think this other idea of commerce as community mm-hmm. is a big part of it. I mean, when you go to Target, you check out with someone in a red polo, mm-hmm. right? And it's different every time. And there is a bit of a defacing of commerce when you're operating at a business where you don't know the owner. But when you come to the farmer's market, you're literally across a six-foot table from someone who's picking those vegetables or making those goods. And People want to come back and buy that because there's an interpersonal relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think really recognizing that business is a communal tool if used correctly Mm -hmm. and that, you know, good local coffee shops where the owner is, you know, pulling shots of espresso, Mm -hmm. um, that makes a big difference um, regardless of even the quality of the coffee sometimes Um, that, that merely having that interpersonal connection. So I think a lot of our success in our events is, believing that business is a communal tool Mm -hmm. um, and that it isn't some big bad thing that's destroying the planet necessarily. Mm -hmm. And that it's actually part of what makes us unique too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, well, even at your guys' booth today at the mark at the craft fest, I went over and checked on Mara. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, got her update from how she's been in the winter and Mm -hmm. it, it is like, and it makes me want to buy more because I, I know where it's coming from. So, mm-hmm. you know, even this like anti-consumerism movement going on, you still need to buy stuff. And mm-hmm. it's being more mindful and having more of a personal experience with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people that want to cultivate this in their hometown, they feel inspired by your words and your accomplishments. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some good first steps? We usually always start with the fun, particularly mm-hmm. when it's a originally conceived project. A lot of times our projects haven't necessarily started with a business plan. They've started out of a passion and a love or a desire for mm-hmm. something in the community. Um, and we like branding. We like thinking about who's going to come and what you're going to do. But it's also easy to start with, what about insurance or, you know, what about all the paperwork, you know, and then it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, so we often say like, how do we think about all the ways something can work first Mm -hmm. and really spend a lot of time kind of pumping that up before we think about why something won't work. And then it is that start small um, and move incrementally. And often simply by painting a picture and having a simple ask, people are willing to help. In our first Mm -hmm. events, we had people... It was amazing the things that people would show up to do, whether mm-hmm. it was volunteering or can we borrow that? Or is it possible that we could, you know, lend this from you for a weekend? I mean, I mean, the list was long because um, people wanted to see something happen. Mm-hmm. You know, people were just excited for kind of that grain of sand, that that nucleus of energy to get the ball rolling. And I think in places that can feel stale, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. There's something for people to rally around, um, whether it's a block party or a chili feed or, you know, a flea market. Um that could be it to get people excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I've seen from you guys that I would have never thought of is you're not afraid to contact <laughs> the city. Like, can we close down the street for a yeah. market? Like, or can we like build this thing in the middle of a park? Like, <laughs> you know, you just, you've created friendships and mm-hmm. relationships with city officials and people in charge and, and worked with them and made it more of a community. Like yeah. for me, I would just be like, well, I can't call the city and close down a street, but it's like, I probably could. Yeah. You know? I think the best thing to do there um, is to not try not to give them an opportunity to say no, because mm-hmm. if you, you know, don't, don't give the pitch right away, try to get a meeting, try mm-hmm. to sit down with them for coffee, really explain what they're do what you're doing. And when, 
when it's about getting people together in the community and, and for the good of everyone, it's hard, it's hard to say no to that. Yeah. Yeah. They understand and they want that too. So lots of coffee, a lot of coffee coffee dates. I think you have an idea. I think any idea, right. And this is back to the incrementalism is how do you start with one coffee? Mm -hmm. create you the biggest idea in the world you know how do you what are the three coffees you want to start with um and generally those will all lead to another cup of coffee with someone else um and then you run a farmer's market yeah and then all of a sudden you're running the farmer's market (laughs) with six people and yeah um yeah i think that's something too is that there is back to that kind of that that energetic what you put out when we were starting to talk about the farmer's market it was a matter of days until I'd just been sharing, hey, I'm thinking about starting a farmer's market. What are your thoughts on that? And someone said, well, have you met Whitney and Megan? They want to start a farmer's market. <laughs> um, and so I, there's something to be said about putting putting intentions out yeah. uh, and that, that things will things will find it or that something's already happening. And hopefully, hopefully there's an energy of cooperation and improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been really fortunate in that way where it hasn't been a tough war. It hasn't been, right. well, we were going to start a farmer's market. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, how do we just start one together? Like, yeah. That'd be cool, you know? <laughs> um, and then we often, maybe to a detriment, um, we don't really care who gets the credit. I mean, that's something we take really to heart or try to in terms of how do we get something rolling? And if someone has a brand perhaps or has infrastructure around it, or let's just try to make it happen and mm-hmm. get people excited. Yeah, I like what you said about starting with the fun. Mm-hmm especially because we're talking about joy this month. Mm-hmm. One thing I've always really respected about you guys is that is like your number one priority. If it's not fun, like there are, there is obviously stress and annoying mm-hmm. things that come with it, <laughs> but you are very intentional about who you have on your team. And you're just able to, I mean, you guys have fun putting up lights. <laughs> you know, like everything you guys do is just like all these mundane tasks. Like uh-huh. you just have a good time. You order some pizza, you put on some music yep. and it's just like, this is a fun experience. <laughs> and I remember chatting with you once for another thing and I was like, well, how do you deal with the stress? And you're like, if it's too stressful, it's not worth doing. <laughs> just don't do it. And it was just like blew my mind. I was like, what? Because everyone there seems to be this culture of taking pride in how much stress mm-hmm. you're putting yes. up with yeah. and how like, and no pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. And like, like, yeah, so- kind of the like busy mentality. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so busy. Um, and when it's all things that you have chosen to do because you love them, it's not, I would never use the word busy mm-hmm. to describe my activity. Yeah. Um, because we just find joy in, in all those things that we do. Yeah, most of us have a, a lot of autonomy over our day in our life. Yeah. You know, I think there's obviously you work for more someone else. More than you else. think. Yeah, I think more than you think. I yeah. mean, there's obviously <clears throat> obligations, but a great activity to do is the essentialism activity. I mean, if you're not finding joy in what you're doing, um, sit down and write everything you're responsible to on a sticky note. One item per sticky note, and you have two columns. Is it essential or non-essential? That's a really easy way to sort through things and say, oh, wow, look at all these things that aren't essential and aren't bringing you joy. And you probably have a lot of autonomy over Mm -hmm. what they are or how Mm -hmm. you're participating in them. And I think that's why it works, too, because people feel that when they come to the things that we're doing. Because everyone who, if you come to the farmer's market, every single vendor has a smile on their face because... Mm -hmm. They love it. And even when we try to take a day off, we still end up there <laughs> um, just to hang out and see people. Um, so I think people really, it really resonates with people because yeah, they just find joy in it too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you just losing it at the canoe. <laughs> like you were just in heaven. Oh, and it just made everyone stop else, laughing. Even though it was like windy and we're all getting blown all over. Like canoes that are was flying. Part of the, the T-Rex is having a hard time. Oh, oh the Vikings are having oh a hard gosh. time. Oh my gosh. We'll yeah. post some photos. We will. Yeah. I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. They're pretty great. Um, but yeah, so Ashley Morkin, who runs this unglued craft we keep talking about, we were at unglued camp this past year and I, it was late and they work so hard to mm-hmm. put on their events. And I was walking back to the cabin for something and it was pitch black. Everyone else was dancing. And I see Ashley Morkin running back to the cabin. 
I think she was in a pineapple costume <laughs> and she had a huge arm made of balloons oh. and you could tell she was just hurrying to get back there and she had this huge <laughs> grin on her face like That's she awesome. was just like living it up and she's like she's like this is my life and we've talked about that moment since and she's even shared it like on her own social media mm-hmm. of like how that was like the essence of like why she does what yeah. she does yeah and it's been really inspiring to be like how can I have a pineapple balloon mm-hmm. moment like in my own yeah life two things inspired by them and and the stuff that we do I think people will be a lot happier if one they danced more true and true. two they wore more costumes yeah I think you that guys are good at costumes is the epitome of happiness <laughs> costumes and dancing are very important they so the market starts well you will commonly find Joan at Kara costume and usually in yeah. a pea costume Peapod, yeah. Peapod. Mm-hmm. and they ring the bell at the beginning of each mm-hmm. market, and um, yeah, it just it's delightful. You I can't love- not be happy when you're wearing a vegetable costume, <laughs> and I love when kids get excited because they're seeing a vegetable. That's true. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> we just don't take ourselves very seriously. No, <laughs> it's like I mean, I think. I mean, that's, I mean, kind of the, the joy and the lightheartedness is where, where is the, where's the mischief, you know, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that, of, of kind of being, you know, spunky and mischievous <laughs> with things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also not, not taking ourselves too seriously. I think that really helps as well when we're talking with people that might seem intimidating, mm-hmm. you know, or we're trying to pitch ideas to people or um, even working at City Hall. I mean, everyone at the end of the day, you know, probably is, you know, probably a parent or probably as a nephew, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you have these moments of joy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have the, the carrot costume or you're excited about silly things or silly objectives. I, mean, I keep telling people uh, that the Red River Market is the largest weekly stroller friendly event. <laughs> and I have these parents that'll walk by and they'll, they'll just be so deadpan and you know, they're so intent getting kids to the market and I'll mention that and they'll just laugh. And they're like, well, that's why we're here. And it's like, no, I know that's why you're here, you know. <laughs> Um, so I think that helps a lot and, and being, having fun, being joyful. Yeah. There's no reason why things can't be joyful, no. why you can't add a little silliness to things. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget how important that actually is. Like Nate's been bringing Juniper to work um, <laughs> recently and the stories he tells me of how it changes the office. It's just that little, that little, you know, mm-hmm. sprinkle of, cuddles and love mm-hmm. it just like can change everything so anytime you can incorporate that is is really valuable yeah so. we just need to increase our number of smiles and laughs per day yeah mm-hmm. juniper is very helpful there <laughs> she is <laughs> the best thing in the world uh, i should interview juniper <laughs> what do you think about this <laughs> secret to success and just be like belly rubs <laughs> all the belly rubs cool well that sauna sounded pretty toasty. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, let's drink some more water and we will be back with in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're in the process of putting on slippers and we're currently going out into a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> it is a beautiful, because it is a snowfall. fluffy snowfall here in Florida, uh-huh. North Dakota. So this is the hardest part. We're trotting out to the sauna when, in the snow. In the snow. We often say that uh, the cold is not fun, but slipping is worse. <laughs> no running. That's Go true. Running to the sauna. I do. I don't run, but I do a little trot. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm honing into my Olympian vibes, my Winter Olympic strength. Holy schnickies. Okay, okay, okay. Come on, okay, okay. And close the door. And close the door. <laughs> okay, so here we are. Um, it is currently 160 right here. It's a little cool for our preference, but it's plenty of It'll It'll heat up. So to describe, I'll post pictures on the show notes, but this is called Log the Sauna, and it's called Log because it looks like a log. So it's a, a barrel sauna. A barrel sauna. So sauna is how it's pronounced. In Finland, yes. Yes. And so that's what we've adopted here. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why so, not? You're in a Finnish barrel sauna. Yeah. Sauna. 
So we're here in Turkish towels, mm -hmm. which are the best towels, I think. Yeah, they're um, really light. They're, they're very thin, but they're very absorbent as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's nice to have something to sit on, kind of absorb your sweat, um, but still be breathable and light. Modest. And quite modest as well, if you're into that. <laughs> <laughs> and here in the upper Midwest, we tend to be <laughs> Cool. Is like, are Turkish towels like the traditional yeah. song well, towels? If you're at a, like a Turkish bathhouse where they have pools and saunas, you'd get one of these. Mm -hmm. um, so we've kind of meshed traditions um, mm -hmm. to make something that works really well for a lot of people. And that is America, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Literal melting pot. Yeah. So tell me the story of Log. How, how it came to be. Uh, so <clears throat> Simone and I had been asking ourselves how do we live vibrantly in the winter and started researching and exploring and spent some time in Scandinavia studying on winter well-being and realized very quickly that social well-being in the winter is something that's sometimes hard to come by. And there's also an element of just the physical and mental overcoming of the cold and the darkness. And that really led us to saunas as the answer. Mm -hmm. So we decided we wanted to build a mobile sauna, um, in part because we were daydreaming. As I mentioned about fun ideas, and we saw mm -hmm. an ambulance. One of our farmer's market vendors drives an ambulance. We said, how cool would it be if you had an ambulance with a sauna in the back of it? <laughs> and we quickly ruled All that out. <laughs> quickly ruled the sauna ambulance out as being too expensive. And through many iterations later, we decided to buy this kit. It's milled in Winnipeg, um, Canadian red cedar, very high quality. Um, and we just simply built it on the back of a trailer uh, with much help from uh, Randy, your husband, Nate, um, and many other friends that wanted to help out. Uh-huh. Cool. So what, what have you experienced? Has it fulfilled all of your <laughs> hopes and dreams? It absolutely has. It, it changed the way that we live in Fargo. Um, it, it really has alleviated kind of that dread of winter or just feeling like you're never really warm and feeling like you're antisocial in the winter. Um, instead of um, just kind of retreating into our homes, we invite people over to sauna every week. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get that socializing, you get that warmth, and you get that light that we're missing because it gets dark here at, you know, four o'clock before okay. you leave work. Um, so you're able to kind of sit by the fire and talk and, and really enjoy each other. It's really starting to heat up in here now. Um, <laughs> yeah. part, part of the, the heat elements, it's a wood-fired sauna. Um, which allows us to have maximum mobility. Mm -hmm. uh, but you experience three different types, or you experience heat in three ways when you're in the sauna, a, a good sauna. Air temp, I think, is a thing that people will often point to, which is like, what's the air temp in mm -hmm. the sauna? Um, but I stoked the fire before we got in here. So our air temp is only 150 right now, but you can just feel the heat of the fire radiating. Uh -huh. um, and that radiant heat is really what heats your core. And then we allow the sauna to heat up for about an hour before we get in it. And then the, the wood absorbs the heat and then reflects it back. Um, and so that's why it's usually a, a good hardy wood, because the wood is radiating heat um, off that energy as well. Mm -hmm. And cedar is awesome because it smells great and it's antibacterial. So it actually ends up being a very clean space. That's oh. nice. Yeah, when I was, FYI, I live like two and a half blocks away from here, <laughs> which has been great for my sauna usage. Um, but I was walking over here and I could tell I was getting close because I could smell mm, the sauna. And it's just this like really wonderful, comforting mm -hmm. smell. It's like, oh yes, sauna time. Yeah. <laughs> we say that Log sits uh, six strangers, eight friends, and 12 in party mode. Yeah. That is uh, <laughs> how, we, how we do it. And we, we saw a lot personally, as Simone mentioned, and have friends over and new people that we've met, and we also do uh, communal experiences. So we go to different winter events around Fargo, different Scandinavian festivals, as well as even doing uh, business or neighbor house calls. We'll uh -huh. just roll the sun over to someone's house for a party. Yeah, I love how you've taken your, like, your goals with the farmer's mm -hmm. market and like your public events and mm -hmm. applied it to a sauna. It's like, 
yeah, let's get a sauna for our well-being, but also everyone's well-being. Yeah, we love to share everything we do with everyone, so <laughs> it makes it more fun. Do you have any favorite saunaing tales? Um, I think my favorite is um, actually from the summertime. Um, we were at the farmer's market, and it was a beautiful day, and the sun was shining, it was bustling at the farmer's market, and a friend came up to me and said, you know, I really miss that log. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was so great that in the middle of a beautiful Fargo summer day that someone would think, oh, I really miss sauning the winter. Mm -hmm. That was so magical for me. I think that's magical on such a, a big level mm -hmm. because people just dread yeah. winter here. Yeah. They dread it. But now you have something that People. There's something you look forward to. Yeah, yeah, that's the key to winter and like seasonal living is like each season has its own yeah. beauty and joy and unique things and sauna definitely helps mm -hmm. that. We've talked about that so much. I mean, it's it's easy to think about, but I think our routine doesn't necessarily always lend itself to it. But what we do on June 21st is obviously very different from what we do on December 21st. Uh -huh. And I think we, we expect that we'll be able to get up and go to work and come home and do the same routine year round. But that environmental context is so important. And it's really only in the last 60 years that as a species, we've been able, been able to live without seasonal context. Mm -hmm. uh, we've only had AC for 50 years <laughs> widespread. So um, that we're not adapting with the season is kind of the new thing for the human race. And I think sauning is as old as time. I think, mm -hmm. uh, as a species, we invented fire and then we, we sauntered. Uh -huh. um, and if you look at any cold, northern, high altitude culture, it was really around bathing. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, this is a, is a bathing tradition. And so it was a way to um, clean yourself in, in really cold environments. And so we've had friends that have spent time in Guatemala with the Peace Corps share about the traditions there. And the Russians have their own tradition and the Germans have their own traditions. and even locally to the plains, the Native Americans have their own tradition around using sweats as a ceremonial, spiritual, and then mm -hmm. a practical component of the bathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty nuts that Fargo and a lot of other communities in the upper Midwest have not adopted mm -hmm. these Scandinavian winter activities. Like, we're, it's what we're made for. You know, we're perfect environments for those things. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I forgot to set the timer. We just set a timer for 15 minutes. We'll be fine. We'll trust our bodies. Listen to our bodies. <laughs> so speaking of timers and, and rituals and things, can you describe like your traditional sauna routine? Because so there's quite an art form to it. Yeah, so we tend to do 15-minute um, sessions, um, and that can range. We always tell people it's on a contest, listen to your body. Um, those that sauna with us a lot or that are really well hydrated will often stay in here longer. Um, we normally do a 15-minute session with a, you know, anywhere from 5 to 15-minute break, depending on how good the conversation is inside or how many snacks we need to eat between. Um, and we'll do three of those sessions in the evening, generally. Um, we do always like to say there's not a right or wrong way to sauna, um, and it really depends on the nucleus of the group. Um, it really is an invitation to simply be. I think often when we meet people or the idea of hosting or hosting dinner can be so daunting. You meet someone new and the thought you'd invite them over for a dinner party with just another couple can seem really overwhelming and almost a lost art. But there's something about the sauna where it's an activity, it's novel, it's different. And so we invite all sorts of people that we hardly know to come and sauna with us and intentionally and knowing that it's an invitation to merely sit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're just sitting in a warm room. And so I think there's something really peaceful about the, the, the grounding and the being of sitting in a sauna. Yeah, for sure. So you do 15 minutes, like you do the first sauna, mm -hmm. 15 minutes-ish, you go back in, you chill. Some people rinse off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can shower in between. Um, kind of the traditional would be taking a cold bath or um, rolling Plunge. in the snow or plunging in that cold lake, um, which is fun. Um, and then we come back in, and then that's usually when we add the loyla or the steam. Um, so we have a wooden, not a wooden, a wood-fired stove um, with the rocks on top, and we're able to... Um, 
ladle the water on there and that makes the, the steam. So that's when you really um, get that um, kind of condensation on your body and you really feel sweaty. Um, so that can be kind of a nice thing to do when it's so dry here in the winter. Mm -hmm. Just to just raise the humidity humidity level that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And that contrast in temperature is, is really important. There are a lot of the health experts say that sauning in and of itself is good for your body in terms of increasing your circulation and obviously, you know, sweating kind of out the pores, but it's the contrast with the cold mm -hmm. that really gets your adrenals going. It really gets your body sort of, you do a flush, your, your glands just push everything out when you have that extreme contrast. Um, but your blood vessels go from mm -hmm. being large to small, yeah, and that serves as a natural pumping mm -hmm. mechanism. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. My, my veins are doing their job very well right now. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> and, uh, You've got great veins. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's a lot of interesting studies that have come out around uh, sauna well-being, whether it's um, mental well-being and Alzheimer's in, in older men in Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of, you know, skin, hair, nail quality, there's interesting different studies citing that. But genuinely for us, it sort of feels good. Uh, we sleep well. Um, it's more of a pedestrian sort of take to it, less about the studies and the papers and listening to our bodies and then knowing that we've spent more time with friends in the winter than we ever have before. Right. And the social value that's created and having something that's a simple invitation just being. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point, you know, the sauna was the start of our friendship and mm -hmm. you and Nate helping build this, but then once it was done, it was as easy as saying, hey, do you just want to come and sit? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's definitely motivated me to get out of the house a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I will say my favorite sauna memory is when we went from cold to hot. <laughs> uh, we spent New Year's at the lake cabin and drilled a hole in the ice. This was very, like... Fargo moment, I feel like. Get your auger out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just get that auger out that you got in my garage. <laughs> and drill the hole in the ice. And we definitely went from a sauna to a frozen lake and back a few <laughs> times. You won the award of doing it the most times. I got second place. That's <laughs> what it means to feel alive, I think, I, is the uh, sauna to polar plunge. Yeah, There's nothing no, quite I got as exhilarating. such a rush. I really did. And I think you were annoyed with me because my way of experiencing it was talking about it. And, and your <laughs> way of meditating, meditating. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been so alive. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the if we do it again, uh, we'll have to drill it closer to the <laughs> surface Shower because um, you tall men had a great time, but I had to beach whale it back <laughs> onto the ice. I was glad only Nate saw me in that <laughs> state, but I was. <laughs> but it was worth it for sure, absolutely. But even um, you know, running out here in like having to travel such a distance to the house, like we're back in the cold. And so it kind of does it's on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was negative five this morning. So it is really the perfect place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so you, what, what's the name of your house? Um, we call our home the Huga House. Um, mm -hmm. Just uh, chiming in with the Danish Scandinavian influences. It's becoming quite a hip word now. It, it is, I know. This is before the books came out. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just means um, that feeling of coziness and comfortability and being with friends um, and enjoying each other's company. Um, so we do a lot of that in our house and we try to make sure every element of our home makes people feel really comfortable from the furniture to the food to the lighting. Um, to the music. Yeah, so what are your top huga tips? Mm. Um, what makes a huga room? A huga room is um, has the atmosphere of comfortability. Um, and there's a few practical ways you can start to do that. Um, we light a lot of candles um, just to change the color and tone of the lighting so that everything has a warm glow and all even our light bulbs have a warm glow. And then we try to make sure that there's just like a variety of seating, seating types that makes everyone feel comfortable. You know, if you want to enjoy the couch space and there's soft pillows and furry things all over, um, just so you have like a really wonderful tactile experience. Um, and when we're sauning, I always make sure that there are 
delicious little snacks that range from sweet to salty because a lot of times when you're in the sauna you are sweating a lot and you need to replenish your salt so I always try to have a little um, tray of pickles out <laughs> for people to nibble on or little nuts or things like that um, and then just trying to make people feel welcome in any way possible. Mm -hmm. We've taken a lot of cues from Scandinavia and I think part of that is just choosing to learn from people that are doing it well. Um, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, the internet uh, <laughs> so allows us here. to take a lot of ideas from other places and implement them. And for us, we really realized that, you know, Fargo's in North Dakota and part of the lower 48, but unlike other northern latitudes, come November 1st, there isn't a, a public service announcement that goes out that says it's now winter, you know, it's darker, you know, do what you need to do to be happy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with the sauna, it's really been a discussion point and a, a baselining and, and a communal conversation to say, what does it take to be happy in the winter? And I myself know that um, I've, I'm affected by the lack of light, uh, not necessarily medically seasonal depressed, but um, I'm taking my vitamin D and wearing mm -hmm. my happy light. I know I need to get to the gym, I'm getting in the sauna and making those decisions consciously. But I think many of us that don't live in a place that has a cultural narrative or a conversation about winter well-being, we wonder why we hate winter. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because of that metaphysical aspect that really just is the communal conversation. Having a big barrel sauna on wheels has for sure started a lot of conversations <laughs> in the Fargo-Moorhead area. Um, yeah. It's amazing because a lot of people say, yeah, like I wear my happy light too. And that it isn't some shameful hidden thing, but that it's how we thrive in the winter. And what are those things in terms of habit and routine and, and cultural aspects that we need to incorporate to live happy lives when it's negative 20 below and, and you don't see the sun for two weeks. Um, I mean, that affects the psyche. Yeah, it's bringing the joy. Absolutely. <laughs> it's bringing the joy to those things that can seem mundane or depressing. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what lighting a candle can do. Absolutely. We just have one candle. Like, that's part of my morning mm -hmm. routine is the first thing I do is I wake up and make a drink and light a candle and mm -hmm. just sit by it and yeah. and have soft blankets <laughs> and my heating pad. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> I just purchased... Um, I told you this, I just purchased some fuzzy slippers that oh, have um, he microwavable heating pads oh on the feet. Yes. Wow. And so I've been adding that. Wow. Um, and it's blown my mind. <laughs> but yeah, a little bit goes a long way, especially when you, you know, you get overwhelmed by winter mm -hmm. and your emotions. If you yeah. get deeper into that, it's like, but the, the little things are where it's at. I talk mm -hmm. about that a lot, um, even on this podcast, but it's like, it's the truth, and you see it everywhere. So, and even if you don't have access to this amazing log, there are a lot of resources like at your gym. Like the YMCA has a steam sauna, and a lot of spas you can just rent an hour or something for like twenty dollars, or like an afternoon. Yes, yeah. You could go um, to a spa, or you know, you can build little ones in your house. They're not, they're not terribly expensive and they're not uh, that complicated. I think we often, my perception is, is that people that love hot tubs, hot tubs um, have actually never sawn it and they actually <laughs> just want to sauna. <laughs> uh, and when you look at the operating cost or the, the possible risk and maintenance, yeah. you know, a sauna versus hot tub is a big difference. And yeah. not that there's, that they're one for one necessarily, but um, my mom, um, she loves the sauna. She knows it. She's wanted one ever since she moved to Fargo. And finally, is in a, a new house. She's an empty nester. She's downsized. And she's got a spot in her basement that's three feet wide and seven feet deep. Mm -hmm. And so it'll it'll literally be just a sauna closet, you know, yeah. no space for one person to lay down. Um, so something like that can, can add a lot of quality of life to the winter. And some of the things that I've read are pretty funny where they say um, a sauna will always increase the value of your home. <laughs> for real? Uh, if you have two houses that are identical and one has a sauna and one doesn't, which one do you pay more for? Um, I'm pretty biased, but I would pay more for the one with a sauna in it. <laughs> I have a client who was talking to me about creating like a self-care area and he's like, well, we have this sauna in the basement that like the previous owner had and it's just kind of the way. And I was like, hey, excuse me. <laughs> I would be in that every day. And he's like, 
really? I'm like, yes. And then I went on a whole sauna rant and how it's really not that difficult when you, like, he's like, I just don't know how it works. And I'm just like, let me come over. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll give it a whirl. So he has it in his house and he doesn't even use it. There you go. Thanks, he's so sad. Self-care opportunities. They often become expensive linen closets. Yeah. It's a good place to store the duvet. (laughs) Just so sad. But, all right, how are we feeling? Should we take a break? Yeah. I don't know. Joe's looking pretty sweaty. Mm. <laughs> sweaty Joey. <laughs> so we are back in the sauna after our little break. We had some hydration. We had some salty snacks. Mm-hmm. And now we are back with the steam. So talk, tell us about the steam a little bit. The etiquette, what was put in there. So uh, the steam in the sauna uh, in the Finnish tradition is referred to as Loila. 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 L O L Y. No. No? No. How do you spell it? L O Y L Y. Yeah, I think that's right. Is there a J in there? <laughs> no, no J. Okay, alright. So Loila is a, a, pro- a proper noun, um, similar to the spirit, would mm-hmm. be in a religious setting. And so there's a lot of reverence in Finnish culture towards being in the sauna and the attitude and the posture that you take. Um, but that the steam, the quality of the steam is how you judge your time in the sauna. Um, and other traditions um, in uh, like a Native American sweat lodge, it's your ancestors. It's like gratitude for your ancestors. Um, so we often take a moment of gratitude when we steam, um, to be present in the moment, um, and to breathe through uh, the heat, <laughs> the warm blanket of heat. So we're ready. We, we operate under a 100% consensus basis. So everyone must agree to steam in order to steam, and anyone, any time, may ask for steam. Well, I am going to ask for steam. Steam? I would love some steam. They're done. My favorite part. <laughs> so, just to describe for our listeners, <laughs> Whew, there it is. It's yeah, like this hits you in the face. wave of steam mm-hmm. coming towards you. Um, but So there's some eucalyptus essential oil in there. And you just gently loyla it on. Yeah, you just ladle it onto the rocks and it, it just hits you like like the warmest hug of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very calming, yeah, especially with the eucalyptus oil or lavender oil or whatever you want to add to it as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll probably do another steam at some point while we're in here. But before we get too lost in our steam sauna land, um, so why don't you share how people can get a hold of you, get more updates, you know, ask you questions, what you're up to next, etc. Absolutely. Um, of course, on the web, our website is folkways.co. Uh, we have all of our projects on there, white papers of the work we're doing, um, email form if you have any questions. We'd love to hear from you and learn about what you're doing in your community or questions you have about how to build community in the place that you're living. Uh, Simone runs some pretty nifty Instagram handles for us. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at We Are Folkways, and you can follow the Red River Market at Red River Market or Logbasana at Logbasana. And you have a log the sauna. And we're on Facebook as well. Instagram. Yep. Yeah. At log the sauna. Yeah. Log the sauna.com. Yeah. The mobile sauna.com. We have them all. We have a couple of URLs. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hip. Yeah. And if you're in the Fargo Moorhead area, we hope to see you at the farmer's market. We'll get going July 14th and run every Saturday, 10 to 2 until October. Do you have any more winter markets coming up? We do. We're working on some. We have an April farmer's market that we're going to do at Prairie Roots Food Co-op on April 21st, which should be a good time. Cool. The summer should be big. We have a lot of fun plans. Sweet. Should we do one more steam? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All in favor? Aye. Aye. <laughs>
Alright, happy Cuba in. Ah, seriously, saunas are the best. Also, aren't Joe and Simone great? I really am in awe of them, and their passion for life and community is infectious. And having them around has been a huge blessing in my own life and many, many others in this town and beyond. There is so much to gain in truly embracing the community around you and making efforts to improve your experience where you are. I totally support moving around and experiencing new places, but there really is something to embracing where you land. Like Joe said, the effort you invest in your community is often the energy that you feel in return. Join me next week as the self-care love continues. But if you'd like even more insights and support with your self-care journey, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter to get podcast updates and more right to your inbox each week. Head to my website, naturallyrandyk.com. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y.com to sign up. And go to the podcast page while you're there to see today's show notes, including the epic canoe parade and sauna photos. You can also peruse the self-care essays on the blog and learn more about my one-on-one self-care mentoring sessions. Until next week, take good care and enjoy the journey. A lot of our events have puppies and babies, yes. and they're always a hit for yeah. me. And llamas. <laughs> Alpacas. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs>